Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. George LaRock communicated, sends his regrets. He will join us early next week. Uh, he's uh, doing some uh, work for the National Hockey League stateside right now. We are going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino. Our headliner for tonight's show, Sportsnet's Eric Ingalls. He's our Oilers now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Travis and Trent Wilhawk. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Hello, Eric. It's Bob. How you doing? What's up, Bob? How are you? Good. Double duty in Edmonton. You're a popular man. That's a great thing to hear. Uh, let's get to it. Tell me about the Montreal Canadiens this season. How would you assess their play so far? Yeah, I think it's really, you know, it's what you're measuring is against, right? Like, it's not necessarily about results for this team. It's about their process moving forward as they're in the second year of a, a rebuild. And I think they've come a significant step forward from where they were a year ago. You know, the unfortunate thing is obviously what happened with Kirby Dock early in the season, two games in, suffers, uh, you know, ACL, MCL, air, as I reported, and season-ending surgery. That's a real kick in the pants. I think considering how competitive the Canadians have been without him, um, you know, you could, you could make an argument that they'd still be, I don't want to say in this playoff race, like in a spot, but I don't think they'd be that far off the bubble, or at least not as far as they are right now. You add Alex Newell to that, you add Christian Dvorak to that. You know, these are key players that can play center and take the pressure off Nick Suzuki. And all that considered, the last two games have probably been their worst ones. Certainly paired together. Um, but you look at the over, and I think they've made progress and intend to make some more from here at the end of the season. Uh, Kirby Doc, uh, you know, he's he's a hockey guy. I, you know, I saw him earlier before training camp ever started this year. He was at a an Alberta Golden Bears preseason game uh, to go watch some of his Fort Saskatchewan buddies play, and then even during the break, he ended up making it out to go watch uh, U of A and Eric Florchuk and some of those Fort Sask kids play. I mean, I, I'm as bullish on him as anybody. A lot of people say I'm I'm quite biased in this regard. Represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson now. You saw him play every game last season. What are we talking about in terms of the long-term upside in Kirby Doc? I think we're looking at a guy that is his floor is the second second line center, and his ceiling is the first line center, and a really good one at that. I mean. Everybody in Montreal watched his training camp and just were licking their lips if you're a Canadian fan. And to know what that one-two punch could represent with Suzuki and Doc, especially with Suzuki finding the level that he has defensively since Rise Lapkowski and Cole Caulfield have been playing with him. I mean, you know, it, it sucks. It, it sucks to see what happened to Kirby this year. It sucks for the player. It sucks for the Canadians. Um, but he looked like the player most poised for a breakout. And I think that breakout could have been pretty significant. Not not just, oh, he's going to do better than he did a year ago. You mentioned Slavkovsky. He's got uh, four goals this year in about 40 games and four goals last year in about 40 games. I'm told he looks better. He's taken a step, even though maybe the goals haven't come yet. Your thoughts on his performance to date? way better and it's, it's not even you're not comparing the same players the guy who came in at 18 and the guy who's arrived uh, much more at 19 and you know still has a very very high ceiling on top of him to reach 
And I think he inspires some belief that he will get to him. You know, like the biggest weakness in this player's game from last year to this year was playing without the puck, getting himself in the proper positions, reading the play at NHL speed and arriving at NHL speed to be in the position to take advantage of them. And he's turned that weakness into his biggest strength at this level. And that, to me, is indicative of why players like him get chosen first overall. It's how fast they can adapt. And I, I think there was a lot of people banging the table to send this player to Laval. And the Montreal Canadiens always had the same idea about this, which is that if they were going to do that, if they were going to send him to the AHL for a little bit, it would have been to boost his confidence. And it was a point this year before things really started to come together for him a lot more that I think he could have used that confidence to his going to Laval. But they were never going to send him to adapt to NHL speed to play in Laval because they didn't feel that it was possible he was going to adapt to the NHL game playing in the AHL. And I I think, you know, there's a lot of people kind of AFLPing on that on that notion right now watching him play. And you're right, the goals are the same. The assists are uh, a little bit higher than they were in roughly the same amount of games he played last year. But the player looks markedly different and uh, is requiring a lot of hope around his heart that he can fulfill the major promise that he had when he was drafted for so long. Canadians have had a lot of draft picks the last several years. Uh, they got Reinbacher coming, but they got a guy right here right now with an Edmonton connection. That's Caden Dooley. Um, it's funny because in his draft year, Brendan Escott's back. We, we did the draft show, and once Jarvis went off the board at 13, I, I was in the Gooley camp. The owners ultimately took Dylan Holloway. Canadians are not disappointed they ended up getting Gooley, are they? Um, you know, as a reporter, as a writer, you know, you you, you kind of circle certain storylines that you might be covering for the night, right? Like Edmonton's coming into town. Who's going to be significantly in the spotlight outside of Connor McDavid? Well, it'll be the guy who's probably glued to him for as much of the night as he possibly can be. And I think Mike Matheson is going to get some of that assignment, but I wouldn't be, wouldn't be at all surprised if it really felt the Caden Gooley. And I think, you know, that. These are the opportunities a player like him relishes Saturday night in Montreal, all Canadian matchup. He's the best player in the world. And uh, a chance to go head-to-head with him. And I, we've seen ways he stepped up in the past, not only in that specific situation, but in others. And I don't know, man. Like, we're talking about a player that's already a really good player, and there's so much feeling still above him. The Canadians are thrilled to have him. Uh, Arbor Jack I got hurt last year against Edmonton on Super Bowl Sunday in a scrap with Vincent Dernay. He's playing in Lavelle. Uh, what's what's the deal there? Is he at some point here? Is he coming back up uh, with Montreal? He'll be back up with Montreal at some point. You know, uh, Jaden Shrewell has kind of been found money for them. Second round pick who they felt was very raw and had a lot of natural potential, but uh, a guy that through his four years at Northeastern didn't necessarily prove that he was going to be an impact player and all of a sudden he gets a shot as Jack I and uh, Jordan Harris are hurt and wow has he done something pretty impressive with it. Now Jack I they wanted him to work on his defensive game and felt that coming off an injury the time to send him down to Laval to do that was right. We're talking about a bunch of guys who are young right like it takes time and, and development much like the team's culture is, is not linear you take a couple steps forward you take one back 
So I think that's pretty much the case. All right, that's what folks and some have said, and I've been accused of this before, Eric, of burying the lead. Uh, but, you know, the Oilers, certainly two months ago, goaltending was a major concern for the hockey team. Now, since November the 24th, the Edmonton Oilers are third in the league in goals. Uh, check that. They're, yeah, they are third in the league in goals against the 2.20 over the last 20 games. And, um, and again, third in the league on this nine-game winning streak of 1.78. Jake Allen, uh, the Canadians have uh, extended uh, Samuel Montebleau, a three-year deal at 3.15. Uh, They've got Primo, who's at a 9.05 save percentage this year. Jake Allen's got a 4.82 record, 33-year-old goaltender. Montreal's carried the three goalies. How do you see this shaking out here with Montreal? Yeah, I think he'll be the guy to go. He just won't be the guy to go to Edmonton. You know, I think there's been a lot of buzz about those two markets potentially linking up. I think... You know, it's been impressive seeing how Calvin Pickard has suddenly calmed the waters a little bit. And also, obviously, Stuart Skinner has picked up his game significantly. It's all the Oilers in front of both guys. Um, could they use a little bit more stability of veteran presence to guide a guy like Stuart? Yes. Will it be Jake Allen? I have considerable doubts. But I still think he will be the guy who leaves out of this regal tender rotation of Montreal. Where he goes is the big question because I think. The market is kind of saturated with unproven talent or somewhat unreliable talent. You know, like there's a couple of goaltenders out there that are good, but not necessarily a solution. And I think Jake can be that for somebody. He's just an incredible teammate. His goaltending ability is much better than what his numbers would indicate. Um, you have to take into account the team that's played in front of him, which has been good uh, in front of Montembeau and Primo, and, and not all the time, but less so in front of Allen. So I think he's, he's still a very capable goaltender and can be a really reliable backup. So the argument in Edmonton, Eric, just to wrap up, is do they need a second-line right winger or a third-line center? Well, the Montreal Canadiens have a third-line center, and uh, Leon Draisaitl likes playing with Ryan McLeod on his left wing because he can skate and uh, open up the ice. Sean Monaghan uh, is a pending uh, UFA at the end of this season. He's already cashed in a, a marginal bonus, which was a little carrot they dangled his way. He's a seven-time 20-goal scorer, 57% currently in the face-off circle. I don't have to educate Oilers fans about him. How has he played for Montreal, and do you see him being uh, a type of guy that's going to maybe uh, create a little bit of a market for the Canadiens' management team? Uh, I don't think it'll be a little one. I think it'll be a significant one because the number is so digestible from a cap perspective, and the player has the versatility to be an excellent third-line center and move up into your top six if you need that. And um, those players don't grow on trees. And they're the exact types of players that are coveted most at this time of year, whereas at least as we move into the time of year where trades start to materialize or at least be discussed and fleshed out. I think the market will be considerable for this player. If I was the Edmonton Oilers, I'd, I'd be one of the teams interested for sure. Um, and I think the Canadians who took Monaghan along with a first-round pick to digest his contract, uh, they're going to probably end up with another first-round pick or a really high-end prospect in dealing them. And that'll probably cancel out the idea of bringing him back and keeping them. So I think uh, whoever gets this player is going to be pretty fortunate. 
Eric, it is 8.46 in Edmonton, or 8.46 in Montreal, 6.46 in Edmonton. Thank you for joining us on Oilers Now. All the best, Bob. Always a pleasure with you. See you tomorrow night. That is Eric Engels from Sportsnet. He's our Oilers Now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza's got 14 Edmonton and area locations, four in Calgary, one in Red Deer. You can go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer recommendation, Mediterranean chicken. Reed Wilkins when we return with Brendan Escott in this day in Oilers history. Bob Stoffer in Montreal, Quebec, the Stan Oilers history for New West Travel. You can join an exclusive four-night road trip in Dallas to see the Oilers play the Stars in April. Reach out to newwesttravel.com. Back at the 630 Chad Studios, here's Brendan Escott. We'll stay in 1983, where we spent some time yesterday. The Oilers hanging a 10 spot on the Blackhawks, getting three-point games from Gretzky, Messier, and Pat Hughes, and a four-point game from Paul Coffey on route to a 10-4 win in Chicago. Andy Moog outdueling uh, Murray Bannerman in net, who surrendered all 10 to the Oilers. Yeah, his goal saved above expectation. That game wasn't bad. It was only 1.1. I completely made that up. All right, let's bring aboard uh, Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. Hello, Reed. I love any reference to Murray Bannerman just because that's yeah, the or first score against me. goalie I can really remember as a kid. Murray Bannerman. Andre Redlight Rassico for Montreal. <laughs> Who can forget him? Uh, Rassico, uh, 1993 Stanley Cup champion. Don't forget. <laughs> Played a one period that's- against Quebec. Quick hitters for you, Reed. Corey Perry, yay or no? Should the Oilers uh, investigate the possibility of picking him up as a free agent? Oh, investigate, yes. Sign if he's cheap, and you got to be ready to deal with the baggage now. And I know, again, we don't know what happened, but now there's some baggage there, unfortunately. Any concern over what's happening right now with Evander Kane? Well, right now and for the previous few weeks, yes, he is not making an impact most of the time. And quite no. frankly, he uh, appears frustrated sometimes as well. Uh, tomorrow on the um, City Ford Faceoff show, we'll have an exclusive interview with Montreal Canadiens' Brendan Gallagher. We can tell you that. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, if you can squeeze it in. Yes, it will uh, be used. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Yes, we'll, we'll line that so, up. So when he was like in his first or second year in the league and you were away or traveling, he was on Oilers Now one of the days I hosted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. And I was like, and he was like, yeah, I'm just hanging out with Josh Georges. So I was like, does he want to come on the show too? And he, he was like, Josh, do you want to go on this show too? Oh, no, he says no, Reed. <laughs> he actually asked. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how uh, sometimes you got to be careful when you do that. It might not work. I remember uh, Radek Dvorak and Corey Cross got traded to the Oilers from the Rangers, and they were at the airport together, and I wasn't smart enough to ask Corey to throw Radek on. So well, there Corey you have it. put him on for sure. Corey would have put him on for sure. Absolutely. What do you got coming up tonight on Inside Sports?
Uh, John Ryan, remember him? Punter? Threw a touchdown pass in the uh, NFC, NFC Championship, championship game. game. Uh, he played, obviously, for Pete Carroll for several years. This will probably be his fourth or fifth time on the show, so it'll be fun to catch up with, and I'm sure he'll have some perspective on the playoffs as well. And uh, also for some uh, additional perspective on uh, Mr. Brownlee and Mr. Short, who we were sad to lose yesterday, and uh, Tales from the Spengler Cup, our buddy Dustin Nielsen will check in tonight. Oh, that's great. Great. Um, I will tell you, uh, as you know, Robin did my show for multiple years. Uh, my wife sent me a picture. We were at the christening uh, for Sam. Uh, we went to that, I remember, uh, over and then went over to Robin's house after. And it was very sad. And obviously, John Short, I was the guy that called and talked to him about the Baltimore Skipjacks. Uh, somewhere between, I figure somewhere between four to 600 times called into his show. There, he did call in every night back yeah. then. We, we, we don't do that nearly as much now in Oilers now, especially five to seven and hands free and all that other stuff reads. So that would be great that you're going to have Dustin on. Please uh, say hello to me. For some reason, I had another question that I was going to uh, ask you and I've completely forgotten, but that's okay because it it's Friday night. Or an unrelated topic to hockey. No, oh, John Ryan, I did his games too. <laughs> when he played uh, U of S? For Regina. For, sorry, Regina. For, Regina, sorry. Yes, I, I, he, I, he would be mad if I how, said U of S, wouldn't he? <laughs> that, that's how old I'm getting. I'm now doing retired players games. Oh, boy. All right, so Let me tell you. I don't know if you, if you listened or played the clip a few years ago, but he'd been in both leagues. Which two cities do you think he identified as the most difficult to kick in? Uh, Edmonton? No. Where? Winnipeg and Regina. Didn't name because the of the wind? city. Yeah, he said the two Canadian cities. Yeah. Because of the wind? Yeah, because of the wind. And yeah. the stadiums well, being a little sense. more open at the back, right? Like not a high bowl at the back, yeah. right? Well, yeah. take it, hey, take it one step further. There's a lot of people that think, and, the, and I don't know how many people would, would agree and would even want to text in, read. There's a lot of people that think part of the reason why England has struggled internationally is because their kids grow up and they, you know, of course they, they kick the ball up and there's not the same buildup. But part of the, the theory and the not the same buildup is because you've got to play with the wind and the rain. And so it doesn't allow you to develop the same technically sublime skills as, as players closer to the equator. That's a theory. I don't know if it's true, but it does make a little bit of sense just in, because you can't always put the ball. Now, David Beckham could put the ball pretty much anywhere and was a world-class player for a number of years because they've had some really good players, but they've only won the one international championship back in 1966. I don't know if there's anything to it. Hey, have a great show, Reed. Tomorrow I'll look forward to joining you around 4 o'clock, okay? Thank you. That is Reed Wilkins. That wraps up the Friday edition of Oilers Now. I'd like to thank Kellen Kennedy and Brendan Escott. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Oilers Now will be at you on Monday. Uh, guests will include Craig McTavish, Mac T on Mondays, and we'll talk a bit about John Short and Robin Brownlee that day. We're going to squeeze George LaRock into next week's Realm of Shows as well. Frank Cervelli come by and we'll have our farm report as well. Stay tuned. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Thomas Dias, followed by Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, and I'll join you tomorrow during the face-off show, which begins with Reed Wilkins at 3.30.